today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Do you know what the problem with living sacrifices is? They keep crawling down back off the altar. And we, even as that, we may say one day, Lord, I am yours. I surrender all of my life to you. I surrender everything that I have. I surrender all of my resources, every talent, my entirety, my plans, my purposes in life. I surrender it to you. And then the very next day, we've crawled off of that altar. And now we're living our lives to ourselves. We've got to crawl back up on that altar. Man, that is a day-by-day experience in our lives. And for some of us, it's a moment-by-moment redo. Scripture admonishes Christians to be living sacrifices to God. In other words, all of our hopes, dreams, and aspirations should belong to the Lord. We have to die to our wishes, wants, and desires so that we might be usable in God's kingdom. In today's message, Pastor David points out that we must continually work to put to death our old self and its selfish desires. In fact, sometimes the sacrificial life is a moment-by-moment enterprise. Therefore, we must be diligent to continually surrender our lives to Jesus' will. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, Jesus the Chief Cornerstone, from 1 Peter chapter 2. The thing that I want to draw your attention to is Peter's use, once again, of going back to that passage from Psalm 118, again, relaying this. You need to understand who he's speaking to here. He's speaking to the Jewish leadership, who just a few months prior to that had that very same accusation pointed toward them by Jesus himself. The very leadership that Jesus spoke to just a few months ago, now Peter is standing before, and he's saying the same thing to them. So to pull this all together, Peter's understanding, his connection of that verse is very important. Peter understood and knew that Jesus Christ was the chief cornerstone in all that God was building within his kingdom. Peter also understood that without that cornerstone, the building itself would be useless. If the cornerstone wasn't there, there was no need for the building at all. He also knew that the Jewish leadership, as well as all the others who had rejected Jesus as the chief cornerstone, they remained condemned and outside of the kingdom of God. All of their religious work was useless. Everything that they tried to do in a religious manner or some uh, kind of way of hopefully appeasing God was absolutely useless because they rejected the cornerstone. No matter how good it would have been, because they rejected the cornerstone, God says your work, your lives actually are useless. So now let's fast forward to 1 Peter chapter 2. With all of that background, 
we see where Peter's going as he carries even the same concept as he's writing to the church here. So in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, we read, Coming to him, speaking to believers, speaking about coming to Christ, he says, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. As Peter writes these things, the very first things he declares, he says, coming to Jesus coming to him as a living stone. The great thing about the Greek language is you can understand a little bit better through the through the tense and through the mood of the verbs used what he's speaking here. Peter's not talking about our initial coming to Jesus, about our initial conversion experience. No, he's talking about an ongoing, continual coming to Jesus. He has in mind that idea of our continual pursuit of the presence of Jesus in our lives. He says, you continue to come to him, coming to him in that desiring way of, of learning and of growing in him. He has that understanding that if you and I are believers in Christ, that there will be that desire in our lives to pursue after the things of Christ, to pursue that relationship with him. He says here, coming to him, coming to Jesus as a living stone, rejected indeed of, by men, but chosen by God and precious. And just as we spoke in the opening of this, all the way back in Matthew, but actually all the way back to Psalm 118, then Matthew 21, and then Acts chapter 4, Peter uses a metaphor that's already laid out in Scripture that speaks of who Jesus is. Jesus is that living stone, the cornerstone, the very foundation of the kingdom of God. Jesus isn't some dead saint. He's, he's not a relic. He's not some concept. He's not even a way of life. Jesus is the resurrected one of God. Amen. He's the foundation that the Lord builds his kingdom upon. And beloved, just as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that there's no other foundation that anyone can lay but that which is laid, and that is Jesus Christ. In your life, in my life, in the life of the entire world, if we're going to be pleasing to God, the foundation of our life has to be centered on, has to be established on Jesus Christ himself. Again, the foundational stone that needs to be in place. Yet Peter tells us that this living stone was rejected by men. The sad reality is that the, the vast majority of humanity 
has rejected the call of Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior of God. You look at the world today and you realize those who are truly born again are a very small minority in the grandeur of of the populace of the whole world, even in the United States. I would say that true believing Christians are not the majority in our country. We can tell that just by the direction and the way and the mood that our country is moving at this point in time. Jesus himself says that broad is the way, and many there be that find it that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way, and few there be that find eternal life. The vast majority of folks have rejected the reality of Jesus as being that cornerstone. God yet chose him for that very purpose. As Peter said, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. The contrast again, the heart of man and the purpose of God. We look at that word precious. Another version puts it and says, whom, whom men have thrown away as useless, but for God he is the most valuable stone. The, the picture that I get in my mind here of men throw away as useless, but for God a very valuable stone is as if we're at, there at the mountains and we're chipping away at a mine and we're looking for certain stones and suddenly as we're chipping away with our hammer, we, this, this, this stone rolls out bigger than a golf ball and it's all, uh, white and, and clear and, uh, we look at it and say, no, That's not what I was looking for. And we throw it behind us and we keep digging because we're looking for agates or we're looking for turquoise or we're looking for some other stone. But yet the very thing that came out was a diamond and we've thrown it behind us thinking that it's useless. That's the very idea of what Peter is saying here. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. The word precious, when we look at that, English versions, when we translate it into our English language, it should have that meaning of the value of something, just like, again, precious gems or precious stones. But my mind kind of works whenever I see this word precious, it goes a whole different way. Not only the hobbit thing that messed me up about being oh, so precious, but uh, the, the thing when you, when, you, when you look at babies and you look at little babies and say, oh, isn't that precious? That, that's not what Peter had in mind here. Peter had in mind here something that's honored, something that's valued greatly, precious in the eyes of God. And as Peter writes, he has that idea of great honor because of his great value. Even though the world rejected Jesus Christ, he was chosen by God and was given that great honor, again, of being that cornerstone. That's why you and I as believers were continually coming to Jesus. We're drawn to him. We desire him in our lives because of that great value, because he's worthy of all of our honor. We move on. We look at verse 5. Peter really, I believe at this point in time, starts getting excited about our impact, our relationship of of all that he's saying here. In verse 5, he says, oh, and you also. And he's speaking to you and I as believers. He says, you also are, are living stones. And you're being built up in this spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As believers, you and I, we're also living stones. 
We're actually a very vital part in all that God is doing within his kingdom. We are part of God's handiwork. Beloved, the Lord didn't save you. Jesus didn't die for you. He didn't spill his blood on you just simply so you could get a one-way ticket to heaven. He didn't save you and bring you into his kingdom just for you to take up a seat in a church and suck air for the rest of your life. He saved you for a purpose. He made you his own and he calls you living stones being built up together in that spiritual house. God has a reason and a purpose for bringing us into his kingdom. And the coolness about all that is the fact that we are now partnered literally with Jesus himself, who is the living stone, the foundation stone, and we as living stones are now built up upon him, building that spiritual house, partnering with Jesus in this great building. Beloved, when we stop and think about it, that's got to be pretty cool to us to think that God has called us to work in conjunction with all that Christ has already done, the foundation that's already there, and to be built upon that. But that's not all. There's more. We look at not only are we living stones built up in this spiritual house, but he says that we are called into the priesthood. We are called into that holy priesthood. Now, I know that some of you have probably come from church traditions where the priest was exalted up above the people, and the priest was the one that you went through, and through the priest, you have this connection with God, and that's not anything at all what Peter is writing to us about here. I I look around the room, and I don't see anybody here in, in robes or priestly garments at all, but yet we are called as believers into the priesthood. What I do see around me all over this room are individuals, individuals with particular hurts, individuals with particular struggles within their lives, people that have had great victories and some people that have had, again, great defeats during their walk in Christ. I understand that. The Lord understands that we, as dust, we have weaknesses, we have struggles. But, beloved, you need to understand, too, he has called you to himself, and he has said that in him you are now holy priests. Think about that for a moment. That ought to kind of blow you away. It ought to kind of uh, shake you up a little bit to understand, no, God is calling me as his priest. And not only as his priest, he says, as his priest, you and I are called to make spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, what in the world does that mean? What kind of sacrifices are we to bring? We don't do the animal sacrifice anymore. We don't do that kind of a thing. So what kind of a sacrifice is he really speaking about here? Well, one of the things I know that he's speaking about, we find in the book of Romans. If you turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. Some of our spiritual sacrifices might be in the good works. It might be in the deeds that we do around us as we serve the world that's around us. But I believe that it's much, much more. Paul writes to us in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our very lives are called to be completely and totally sacrificed to the Lord as a living sacrifice. But you know what the problem with living sacrifices is? They keep crawling down back off the altar. And we, even as that, we may say one day, Lord, I am yours. I surrender all of my life to you. I surrender everything that I have. I surrender all of my resources, every talent, my entirety, my plans, my purposes in life. I surrender it to you. And then the very next day, we've crawled off of that altar And now we're living our lives to ourselves. We've got to crawl back up on that altar. Man, that is a day-by-day experience in our lives. And for some of us, it's a moment-by-moment redo. It's like, oh, man, I blew it again. Once again, Lord, I come back to you. I surrender my life to you. That's what Jesus says. You and I have to be willing to daily die for him. A living sacrifice says, I'm dead to myself. But Lord, I want to be alive to you. That's the kind of sacrifice as a holy priest that you and I need to be sacrificing continually before him. Again, acceptable to God, usable by God for his glory and for his grace. Peter goes on down in verse 6. He says, therefore, it's also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone he goes back to that point again he says this cornerstone is elect and it's precious and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame therefore to you who believe that's for all of the believers of all ages therefore to you who believe he is precious he's highly esteemed he's honored he's glorified but to those who are disobedient The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Pulling together from various Old Testament declarations, Peter again speaks about Jesus and the foundation stone that he is. He pulls from Isaiah 28, verse 16, when he says that he is a stone that is set in Zion as a sure foundation stone a precious cornerstone. He speaks from that passage in Psalm 118 when he speaks about and points to Jesus as being the chief cornerstone, the one that the builders rejected. He goes to Isaiah again in chapter 8, verse 14, when he declares that Jesus is also a stumbling stone and a rock of offense to those that would reject him. Beloved, that brings us all the way back to Matthew 21 when Jesus declared about himself, whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever this stone falls, it's going to grind him to powder. The fact is, is when you and I came to Christ as believers, the only way that we could really come and truly come to Christ is when we come and fall on him, understanding that there's nothing within our lives that's of any value outside of Christ. 
There's nothing in our lives that we could even offer to the Lord outside of just laying our lives before him, literally falling on that stone. And then when we fall on that stone, we are broken. And beloved, that's a good thing. We need to be broken when we come to the Lord in order that he might build us back up, in order that he might be able to use us in that great spiritual house that he's building. But if we deny him, if we deny Christ as the cornerstone, if we deny Christ as our Savior, the word is very clear that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that comes judgment. And the reality of that judgment is, is that there will come that time, if you deny Christ, that he will fall on you. And that's a bad thing. For on whomever the stone falls, they'll be ground to powder. What Jesus means by that is eternal destruction for those that reject Christ, who don't turn to him. You see, it's not just the Jewish leaders that rejected that great cornerstone. People all through the ages have refused to recognize the fact that Jesus is the only foundation in life, the only one available. And for those that reject him, there's no other hope outside of Christ. There's no other direction. There's no other way. Their religion is useless because the foundation is incorrect. Even today, people reject the truth of the gospel. They reject the reality of what the word of God declares who Jesus is. They're stumbled by that great stone. And in their stumbling, the fact is they're going to be crushed. Taking a serious look in your relationship with Christ. When he says you are living stones... You're going to be built up in that spiritual house of worship. When he says you're a holy priest making continual sacrifices, so spiritual sacrifices to him, uh, how true is that in your life? Are you allowing him to use you in building up that spiritual building that he's building? Or are you saying, no, Lord, if you're going to use me, I want you to use me this way or that way. It's kind of like a builder building a house and, He's building a block building, and he grabs a block, and he muds it up, sets it on that course, gets it all level and set and nice. He reaches over, grabs another brick, and as he's mudding that one up, the other brick jumps off the wall and starts running around. And he turns and says, where are you going? Well, I don't want to be on that side. That's the hot side. That's where the sun always hits. I want to be on the other side where there's a beautiful view of the lake or of the fields. But the Lord says, no, I want you on this side. I have a purpose for you here. Are you the one that's commanding the Lord how he'll use you? Or are you, like these youth, willing to go out of your comfort zone that God might use you in a completely different way in order that you might know and experience the fullness of God's blessing? Do you desire to be a useful part of God's kingdom work? Or are you simply saying, that's okay. I got my ticket to glory. That's all that I need. If that's really your heart, then I, along with the Apostle Paul, would encourage you to examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith 
or not. Though we've come to the end of our time with you today on The Open Word, you don't have to wait to hear more from Pastor David Landry. In fact, Pastor David's here to tell you more. Thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, and shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound biblical teachings with you anytime and anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast as well. As soon as we post a new message from The Open Word, you'll receive a notification. This way, you'll never miss an update. While you're on our website, you can learn more about what we believe as a ministry, as well as find out ways to support us. One way is through prayer, something we're always grateful for. We need to make sure we're focusing first on Jesus, then on what we're creating. We want every edition of The Open Word to come from the Savior, not from us. Your prayers for us help us do this. Would you also pray for the listeners of The Open Word? Pray that hearts and ears would be open to Jesus and that the gospel will continue to spread throughout the earth. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word.